let's go ahead and dive into the text here this morning. Uh, we're going to continue our series in the book of Ephesians, and we'll be in chapter 5 today. So in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're also going to be in 1 John chapters 1 and 2, and we're going to be going back and forth a little bit. So you're going to kind of want to be in Ephesians 5 and then put your finger in 1 John, which is towards the end of your Bibles, um, and we'll be using both texts today. So last week, we had the opportunity, again, we're in a series that, that's talking about the oneness that is found in Christ, that in Ephesians 1 and 2, that literally the cross tore down the divisions and the barriers between humankind. So if we identify as Gentile or whatever particular Gentile or as Jew, those things were separated and destroyed by the fact that the cross unites. And so under the banner of Jesus Christ, we come together. And that's what Ephesians is speaking to. And now in chapters 4 and 5, it's giving us uh, direction on how to keep that unity going. And that there's a relational component between you and I that we can enjoy either greater freedom from or we can continue to see hindrances and divisions. And so over the last few weeks, we've been speaking to the things that can hinder and uh, or bring us together. And last week, Tyler spoke uh, from the text in the beginning of chapter 5, the first five verses, and he was speaking to, you know, that walking in love and, and, and seeing what sin can do, but he was speaking to, giving us guidance that it's very easy for us to think, we just got to try harder and continue to do work on our own, and it's really about, this is the work God wants to do in our lives, so we release ourselves into his care and to his efforts on our behalf. Today's text is a little different. It's a warning shot. In fact, there are three warnings we're going to hear this morning from the text. And so to kind of best prepare our hearts to receive a warning, I'm going to share with you a little bit of an experience that I grew up with. In my hometown, if there was a fire, there would be a fire uh, whistle the siren that would go off and then the firemen would know to go to the firehouse and then they would rush to wherever the location of the fire was. For the rest of us citizens, you turned on the radio and I remember being in my grandmother's house, you would immediately turn on the radio to the local AM station and, we would, and they would tell you, uh, first of all, saying, do not follow the fire engines to this location, but the fire is at this address. And you can only imagine that for a town where things don't come very fast, everything's, you know, pretty same every day, uh, people would get in their cars and go see the fire. And then for the next week, depending on the damage of the fire, they'd be saying, well, that was a shame, that's too bad, and, and so on, and, and then time would go on. Well, that siren was one thing, but those same sirens would take on a different sound and a different pulse when it was a tornado. So when you grow up in Kansas, you learn about the sound of that siren and, and, and so that these tornadoes would show up. And, and because it's, what should I say, scenic and flat, <laughs> you, can see this, you can see these tornadoes. And so, again, on the radio, if, if there was a pulsing sound and it was a tornado siren, people would turn on their radios and they would say, the tornado was spotted northwest of town or southwest of town or straight west of town and, uh, and then people would immediately go from there out to their porches and look. 
So different lifestyle than what you guys do here. If, if a tornado siren went off here, I would not do this because you can't see around our, our hills around here. So I wouldn't feel safe in doing that. But when you do such a thing, you're taking your life basically in your own risk. It's, it's your own detriment that you would dismiss a tornado siren. I've had people say, I could never live in Kansas because of tornadoes. And, and I, I kind of laugh because you often dismiss some of the things that I think is absolutely crazy about living around here. So let me ask you this. If you're around my age or older, where were you on March 28, 1979? Let me put a picture up on the screen and maybe I can give you a hint. Yeah, Three Mile Island. Yeah, so when I moved to Pennsylvania, I had people from Kansas saying, you're going to Harrisburg? Do you know, isn't that where Three Mile Island is? Are you crazy? And, and so, you know, people had that kind of perspective of here. And, and there was one day while I, was, I had a condo in, in Harrisburg that, that my wife and I were living in. This was early on in our marriage. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, I hear sirens going off that sounded like a tornado siren. So I went outside, I'm like, it's a perfectly sunny day, what is going on? And so then I did what I was trained to do as a kid, I turned on the radio, and it said that today was the testing of a radiation leak for Three Mile Island early warning signal. And I'm thinking, and you are scared of Kansas? Radiation can go everywhere, and you can't see it. You, you're, you're, if you're within 30 miles, they call it the kill zone. And here it is. I'm in Harrisburg, only 12 miles from Three Mile Island. And, and you're saying that it's safer to live here, and I'm thinking, you're crazy. But again, we're taught to hear those sirens. They did it annually in Harrisburg. Now, I don't know if they still do it with the island now shut down, but, but they did it every year so that we would learn with our ears, if you hear that sound, you know that there's a problem at TMI. And so you would be careful. You would tune in to find out what the warning is. Now, for all of us, whether, no matter where you've grown up in the United States, there's the early the emergency broadcasting system. That may, and this is just a test. You know what I'm talking about? It's that obnoxious pulsing sound. Well, our ears know that as the emergency broadcasting system. And so if it goes off and you hear that it's not a test, you're all of a sudden going to be leaning in. And they, that's intentional. It's taught to you so that you would know if you hear that obnoxious sound, you should pay attention. If you don't hear this is a test, you need to listen in. And find out what the emergency might be. Now, if you get receive a warning like that and you fail to heed it, you're taking your own life at risk. And that's just the reality. So when God gives you a warning, if you choose to ignore it, you are also taking things at your own risk. And today you're going to discover that there are three warnings that if you do not heed, it could be to your own peril, even for eternity. So let's pray and ask God to teach our hearts to heed the warnings that are here so that we won't look past them today and just so, so quickly dismiss. So Father God, we welcome the work of the Holy Spirit right now. And we welcome the authority of the Word of God over us. That each of us can receive the warnings you give from this text, 
that we may then honor you with our lives and heed the warnings with obedience. We pray this in the Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 5, which is where Tyler left off last week. For this reason, you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person who is such a person as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let me say that again. For this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So the first warning is this. Warning, do not be deceived by pretenders or prodigals of the Christian church. Let me say this again. Do not be deceived by pretenders or prodigals of the Christian church. In verse 6, after talking about do not uh, practice these things as immoral, impure, or greedy, and that such a person who does will not inherit the kingdom of God, then it says, do not be deceived by the empty words that can come then in such context, because God's wrath will come on those who are disobedient. So we are to be cautious, heed a warning that if there are people who are promoting or are practicing things that are immoral, things that are impure, things that are filled with greed, we need to make sure that when they speak towards us, we do not receive it authoritatively in our lives. We are not to be deceived by them. In fact, there is regular warning throughout the New Testament from Paul, from Peter, and John, the primary writers to the early church. Each of them speak to false teachers and false teachings that will rise from within the church. And so there are people that are pretenders within the church. They might identify as Christian, but they're not authentically Christian. And they will teach heresies or things that will lead us astray. They will call that which is evil good. And then things that are good, they will say is evil. And so we know that that's going to happen. But it's also true that many of us here in this room have been prodigals. We grew up in the church. We experienced life-changing faith. We have 
tasted of the goodness of God. We even maybe have taught in our churches. We maybe even served in our churches. But yet we've come to a place where we defy it. We deny it. And we go on a season of personal rebellion. Sometimes people that are in that mode of being a prodigal where where they're no longer living under the freedom they're given in Christ, but rather choosing to return to the things they used to be in or things we were saved from. Often those people will justify the season. And in their justification, they're speaking to other people that might be on the fence with their faith as well, luring people from a place of pursuing God to a place of justifying personal sins. So we need to be careful whenever somebody is promoting something that the Bible clearly says is evil and saying it's now good, that when they are promoting that, we should be leery of receiving anything from them. Or if somebody is practicing any of these immoral behaviors, we should be leery of receiving any word of authority from them. In fact, what it says here, that if they are practicing and they are promoting, that you should not feel confident that you have a place in the kingdom of God. Verse 6 couldn't be even any more clear, that people that practice such things or promote such things have no place in the kingdom of heaven. Which then means that when somebody is practicing or promoting these things, they should not feel confident that if they were to die that day, that they would have a place in the kingdom of heaven. It's not my place to say if you're saved or not. All I can tell you from scripture is that God looks upon immorality, impurity, and things of greed as being contrary to his nature. And those who are his are not those that practice those things. So if we are embracing impurity in our lives, where the transformative work that God's desiring to do in your life through his Holy Spirit, if, if you continue to deny the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and impurity is abundant, you have to question, why? Am I truly operating under the leadership of the Holy Spirit? And am I truly marked in the Holy Spirit as one who is in the kingdom of heaven? If greed is something that is just prominent in my life, where what is most evident about me is that I love to attain things and buy things, and it's all about what money can get me. If that's what is about a person, they are not to be a leader in the kingdom of God. So people that promote and practice immorality and purity or to pursue the material things of this world to a fault. They are people that are not to be the ones speaking into your life. In fact, we're to avoid being deceived by such people. So you might be thinking in your mind, well, it's like, yeah, but I still have sin in my life. Am I in the kingdom of heaven? I want you to turn to 1 John 1. I, hopefully you're already there. 1 John 1. Let's talk about the person who is a part of the kingdom of heaven, yet still has sin, which is all of us, all right? So verse 5, 1 John 1, says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So, to understand what it means here, it's like the person who is immoral and pure and greedy and those things seem to be abundant and, and foremost in their life that such people or shouldn't be have any confidence that they're a part of the kingdom of God. For those of us that are aware, that's like, yeah, I still have sin in my life. How do we respond to such a, a, a difficult statement in Ephesians where it says you're not a part of the kingdom of heaven? The person that truly is a child of God, that is in the light, grieves over their sin. That's one of the, the attributes of a true person that is a part of the kingdom of heaven, a child of God, is that they recognize that God is holy and that they are not. And that in God, I find holiness and that he gives it to me, but I still acknowledge that there's a nature here that is sinful and I grieve over it. I don't embrace it. I grieve over it. And so the contrast is the person who's a pretender or, and a deceiver or a prodigal that's deceiving people with their words is somebody that says, yeah, sin's okay. Embrace it. It's who you are. Besides that, God is love. Anything else does not matter. God loves you. And yet what I see in John is the person who is following into the light of God will recognize that it's exposing sin in their life, whether it be small or significant, and that they grieve over it, confess it, and repent. That is the markings of a person who is walking in the light of God is when they do not tolerate sin and they grieve over the sin that they do have. When you see that, that is a person you can receive from. They are not going to deceive you because they're willing to look at themselves and speak truth and acknowledge their sin. And then they let God do his work as what we talked about last week. Let God do the work of transforming us into his likeness. Let's continue on in verse 7 of Ephesians 5. Again, don't lose 1 John. But in Ephesians 5, going to verse 7. So again, not to be deceived by anybody whose words are, by people whose words are coming out of a, an impure, a greedy, or immoral heart. It says we are not only to avoid their words, but we're not to partner with them. Do not partner with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out then what pleases the Lord. So a person that is walking in the light, the warning here is that we should not partner with people who do not measure up to the light of the gospel. If they're walking in some kind of darkness or secrecy or covering over what's going on in their life where they operate more concealed than revealed, then we should be leery of partnering with them. Now, I get it. 
Everybody here is a sinner. So at what point do you end up saying it's wise or unwise to be with a person who is clearly a sinner? Again, the reality is if that person calls out their sin as sin and they grieve over it and they confess it and they look to let God transform them and change them from it, that's a person to be with. That's a person to partner with. But a person who tends to, with their darkness or their sin, conceal it, put it under, not let people see it, you should immediately be concerned about making them part of your inner circle. Because in Christ, we are walking with our lives out loud, not in secrecy. We reveal who we are. It's like, I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith. There is nothing that you could say to me that, that, that could say that I am perfect. That if you get near me at all, you're going to know I'm not perfect. John 8, 12 says this, that when Jesus was speaking to people, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It doesn't say that they will never experience sin. No, he says that they will walk in the light to expose the sin that they're in and so that they can confess it and find victory over it. That's a person you can uh, partner with, you, or as what I grew up saying, you can hit your wagon to them. Now, living in Lancaster County, you can hit your buggy to them. <laughs> Such a person that's willing to walk in the light for all the good things God has done and all the things that God is transforming in you, that's a person you want to get near. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 11, speaks to this again with, from another perspective. Starting in verse 7 of chapter 2. Dear friends... Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. And I am reading the entirely wrong chapter. I'm like, I love this verse. I haven't read that in a while. Chapter 2, please. Verse 7. Dear friends... I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing. The true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So again, we're not to partner with those who are not letting the light of the gospel shine upon them. And as a result, when you get around people who are allowing that, then the love between us and them is evident that God's light is shining upon us. It's again a correlation. If the light of God is shining upon us, it's going to be seen in the way our relationships happen with each other. Again, this is about who do we allow ourselves to partner with. And we should be partnering with people that want to be in the light. No secrets in the sense of hidden sins. We allow ourselves to come into accountability with one another. Now I say this with a little bit of an alarm. I recognize that many of you here in this room may not have such a relationship. 
You may not have a relationship where somebody is able to speak into your life, where you let the light of the gospel shine upon them and upon you and to do so together. And I would say that is not the design of the Christian family we've been brought into. The design of God is to divide, to, to remove the divisions and bring us together. And so that we can do the one another's together that's listed throughout scripture. To love one another, to confess to one another, to exhort one another, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Those are the many things that are spoken that we're supposed to do together. But many of you have chosen a Christian walk of isolation. And my guess is, that's where then darkness is allowed to have its place because there's nobody for you to allow the light of God to, be, to speak into your life. And therefore, you never are able to grow to the fullest end that God wants you to. We are designed to speak into each other's lives. That's why we have life groups in, uh, here that we encourage you into or into ABFs where you can begin to get deeper into relationships so that you're not walking an isolated journey with God. It's not how he designed it. He designed us that, as verse 10 says, we, we, where we find out what pleases the Lord, we then find other people to do life with that pleases the Lord. So we find out together. I've had two men that I've been meeting with every month since I came to this church. They're older than me. They're wiser than me. And I've given them permission to ask whatever questions they want of my life. They have been soul keepers to me. They call me out when my heart isn't quite right, or they give me perspective when I'm not seeing something maybe that I should be able to see. I have found it life-giving that the light that we experience together, we're finding out daily what pleases the Lord. We do so together, and in the process of that, we confess to one another what we're struggling with. Additionally, in the past year, my wife and I have joined a life group. Uh, we've been leading life groups for years, but now we're doing one, but separate. We're now doing it together. We're with several other couples, and we're going on a trip together with those couples this week. You can pray for them because I'm joining them in that week. We're going to be on snowmobiles. That could be also dangerous in and of itself. But we're going up. <laughs> Amen. But we're going, we're getting away together, not just so we can have fun together, but so that we can build trust together so that we can shine the light of the gospel into each other's lives and welcome it so that we can all delight in what pleases the Lord. So again, first two warnings are we, we are, need to avoid being deceived by pretenders and prodigals. We need to look to receive from those who are walking in the light of God. And therefore, we should not partner with people that do not measure up to the light of the gospel, that avoid the light, but rather partner with people that are embracing the light in their life. And lastly, we are warned not to conceal dark things, but to expose them. Look at verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated now has become light. So our, our next last warning is, do not conceal, but reveal. To call out things that are sinful. That's why throughout Scripture, we've been willing to let Scripture tell us what is moral and what is immoral over the years. And sometimes it's not very popular in society. In fact, often it is not. 
And as a result, often it's treated as hate speech. And actually, what we're trying to do is help people avoid the consequences of sin, and we're caring for them enough to be able to admit the truth. So, as a result, we then allow the, the light of the word of God to come shine upon us. We then find confession with one another. And then, therefore, we find healing as we all walk in delight of finding out what pleases the Lord, not living in the darkness, knowing that it shames and brings grief to the Lord's heart. So I have a couple of invitations I'd like to offer you guys this morning. Because I do not take lightly these warnings. And I recognize that the various sins that we deal with, yeah, it's difficult. Some of the things that we've dealt with in our lives can be very embarrassing to admit. Some things we just simply need to call out. But the reality is, is as it says in verse 12, there are some things that have been done in secret that are even too shameful to admit. So I want to give a caution in our confession. It's not helpful that if you confess to having, let's say, adultery, or you've not been faithful to a spouse, that in your confession you start telling us how often, how, and what it looked like. Because I will tell you, that does not do any favors or help to those you're confessing to. In fact, it may entice. When I was a single young youth pastor, I was in an office with a person that was confessing to adultery. And the senior pastor had invited me in to be a part of this. And the pastor kept asking more and more details, getting out every detail about the affair. I found myself completely being enticed, not being disgusted by the sin, but rather it's like as a single young man, I didn't even know some of the things that were being said. So we have to be careful that in our confession, we're not glorifying the sin that we've actually done. We confess to the issue. We confess to perhaps the things that might have got us there. But we're careful in our confession that we're not creating an opportunity for others to fall under your direction. So I invite you to do this. The scripture tells us that we're to continually go to the Holy Spirit for direction. We've been talking about this for weeks. The Holy Spirit directs us of our timing, our spirit, and the substance of what we say. And making sure that it comes from the right motive of heart. So what I would like to ask you all to do now, would you be willing to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal things that maybe you've hidden in the darkness of your own heart? Would you be willing to ask the Holy Spirit to confront maybe bitterness or anger or a lie or things that maybe has been greed where it's crept in or perhaps it's been pornography, things you've seen with your eyes, things you've said about somebody else? Will you allow the light of the Holy Spirit to confront you in those things? Secondly, would you be willing to invite a fellow believer into a moment of confession where light can be invited in and healing can begin? James chapter 5 verse 16 says that when we confess to one another the things that are going on in our lives, we will find healing. So this invitation to let the light of God's word shine upon us and we do so with a fellow believer, that that's the beginning place of much healing.
even the world recognizing admission is the first step to finding freedom in something. Think about the secular institution of Alcoholics Anonymous. They tell you that the first thing towards your st steps of finding freedom and victory over alcohol is to admit you're an alcoholic. The same thing is true. It's principled in scripture. The place to go to find healing from the grip of some kind of sin in your life is to admit the sin. And a believer who can lovingly, carefully speak back into you can help point you on a way towards restoration. But we invite the Holy Spirit first to illuminate, and then we invite the Holy Spirit to guide us to who we can share this with. Let's pray. So Father God, I recognize that these are difficult charges. We're given warning about hiding things and minimizing things and, and to kind of belittle the things that maybe were hiding inside of us. Instead of just calling it out, it's sin. And Lord, we haven't been careful to guard who we listen to. We haven't been careful to guard who we're partnering with. Lord, we need to be surrounding ourselves with people who call out sin for sin and are walking in the light so that we can join them together and we can walk in the light together discovering the things that delight you. So Lord, for this people here, I ask that we would receive these warnings and apply them to our lives so that we can discover freedom that is found in Christ walking in the light. So I pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. We're about to sing a song that's called Graves into Gardens. When we're in the grave, it's dark. It seems so final and so authoritatively over us. But God has an amazing power where he can take the most carnal of heart, the most dead of life, and make them new and plant a new garden. Would you stand and sing as we talk about the transition from death to life, from darkness to light? Come on, this is our testimony. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Treasures the faith are never enough that you came along and you put me back together and every desire is now satisfied here in your love. I'll sing this church. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, I know it's true. I'm not afraid.
thought we were going to end on a low moment. You know, I, when I consider that when we've taken an honest view of ourselves, we know we fall short. But like what we read already earlier today in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the beautiful thing that he can where we can't. And so it is not about shame. He came and died on the cross while we were still sinners. We don't get right to come to him. We come to him to get right. 
And so let the gospel of Jesus Christ shine the light upon you that then the grief or the the sin or the things that are secret can be exposed so that he can do his work to bring you into his light and to transform you. And then to connect with other people that can then speak into your life as well. I leave you with the final verse that we read today in, in Ephesians 5 where it says, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ is already shining upon you. Christ, shine upon you all. If you want to talk to somebody to work through this, I'll be up front. There'll be people in the encounter room that will be glad to be that other person. Uh, Hopefully we're worthy of hitching your wagons to. But we want to see that you can find victory and walking in the light is where it's found. Amen? You are dismissed. God bless.